Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray today that that we might be those who are called blessed. That we might be among those, Lord, who inherit your kingdom. Give us ears to hear your word and wills to obey. In Christ we pray. Please be seated. Well, good morning. morning. I wonder if you've you've heard of 23andMe. Anyone heard of 23andMe? It's this um, scientific research company, and what they do is um, DNA testing. They'll they'll map your your genetics. Essentially, what you do is you you send them your spit, and from those um, mouth juices, they can tell you all sorts of interesting things about yourself. Now, I had been uh, wanting to do this for a, a while, and so last year, I think it went, on, it went on sale. It was like half off, and so someone bought this for me as a gift. And uh, there are basically two parts to the test. There's the ancestry report, and then there's the health report. And um, what I realized in the process of doing this, spitting in the tube and mailing it off, um, was that I was hoping to learn about who I am as a person kind of right now. And, and the way I was doing that was um, by finding more about who I was in the past or where I came from and also who I might be in the future, where I'm going. You see, um, the health report is kind of scary. It's, it's a future-looking thing, all right? What, what they do is they look at your DNA and they can tell you if you're genetically at risk for certain um, health problems, or if you're a carrier for certain kinds of diseases. And that's, that's, you know, that's a lot of loaded information that we wouldn't have had otherwise. I find it kind of freaky, and yet I also found it um, quite helpful to read the report and, and say, okay, well, I have some sense of what I might expect and how I might also be proactive to care for myself in ways uh, to avoid these kinds of things. The reason I was really most interested in 23andMe was the ancestry report. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to know more about my past, with more certainty than I, than I have now. You know, where did I come from? Who are my people? Um, and while I had a, a decent guess at my ethnic background, uh, judging by my very pale skin, um, I didn't know for sure. And uh, I was kind of hoping that in this report, there might be you know, some interesting or um, you know, exotic eth- ethnicity thrown in there, uh, which is why I was sorely disappointed uh, to learn <laughs> that I am 997 Northwestern European, 99.7% Northwestern European, not just European, not just Western European, Northwestern European. In other words, the British Isles and and maybe the coast of, you know, uh, Northwestern Europe right there. The other 0.3% was just listed as unknown. So, um... That may be as vanilla as it gets. Um, Maybe that's why I like vanilla. I don't know. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking uh, and talking a lot about the past and about the present and about the future. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One is because Anglicans have a distinct emphasis when it comes to talking about salvation. You see, we don't just conceive of salvation as a moment when you were converted when you prayed the prayer, received the altar call, or had a Damascus Road experience. Rather, salvation is something that is ongoing. 
It is God's grace that has come to you in the past. Actually, it came to you before you even said yes to it. It's coming to you in the present, and it's also going to come to you in the future. In fact, earlier this week, we were talking about this very thing in the Anglican Center of Theology and Formation, and Canon David, David Monzinga, who is the canon for clergy formation in our diocese, was here, and he was lecturing with us, and he referenced Anglican theologian and pastor Peter Toon, who said this, have you ever been accosted by an enthusiast who asks you, are you saved? Maybe you have a standard reply, or perhaps you don't know what to say. If you are a baptized Christian, then you ought to say this. In Christ Jesus, my salvation is completed and complete. Because of the indwelling spirit in my heart, I am in the process of being saved. And because Jesus rose from the dead and will return from heaven at the end of the age to raise the dead, I look forward to the salvation at the end of the age. I was saved, I am being saved, I will be saved. This past, present, and future emphasis will actually show up as we talk about baptism um, later in the service today. Uh, The second reason, probably the more obvious reason we're talking about the past, present, and future today is because the Feast of All Saints has a lot to do with this kind of thing. Um, Today in the sermon, I want to keep things simple. I want to prove to you I can preach a shorter sermon. I I am setting out to do just that. And so... Um, I want to share with you just three reasons why All Saints is valuable for us to celebrate as believers. Here's the first. All Saints helps us to understand where we came from in the past. Helps us understand the people we came from. When you become a Christian and are baptized, you are not just saved, you and Jesus. You are saved into a people The people of God, which is a spiritual family that goes back to the very beginning when God first started making covenants with a couple named Adam and Eve. Scripture is the story of how God himself created and then gathered a people through redeeming them with his own blood. And that story of redemption has a past, it has a present, and it has a future. We're in the story now. We're in the story now, in the present. When we read the scriptures, and also when we learn the history of the church, what we discover are people who have walked with God by faith in whatever covenant they were a part of. We might call them saints. Saints. They're our spiritual ancestors. Faithful men and women who have gone before us. They are mothers and fathers in Christ who have something to teach us by their example, and by what they withstood and yet held their devotion to Jesus. Most of us probably think of All Saints Day as this, as this backward-looking thing. And that's a really important practice. It's not a practice that all Christians participate in. When we look at the saints, there are a couple of things that happen for us. One is we see ourselves in them. We see ourselves in them. Well, what good is that, you might ask? Well, we're gleaning wisdom from their experiences, we actually see the ways that they're like us, maybe the ways they're not like us. For example, we can encourage, be encouraged by the fact that they faced similar struggles that we face. There's nothing new under the sun. We can be encouraged that they, they sin or that they were tempted to sin in ways that we're tempted to sin. We're not alone. We can be emboldened when we see that they were willing to give up things to follow Jesus. 
We can be grateful for the ways that they provided and prepared a legacy, which we are partakers of today. When you know your ancestors, especially when you're proud of the heritage they've given you, it gives you a greater sense of stability. And that is this kind of second reason that All Saints is valuable to us. All Saints helps us to understand who we are in the present. Helps us understand who we are in the present. We are often people with very shallow roots. Most of us, relatively speaking. By those who have come before us, we have shallow roots. We move all the time. We change jobs often. We travel the world and see things that people before us never saw. We jump from church to church. We change, 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 change. Now, change isn't a bad thing, but what happens in changing all the time is that we're not, if we're not careful, we might lose ourselves. We might lose ourselves. So many people in our culture have no idea why they exist. They long for genuine relationships and community and are truly confounded why they can't find it. So many people long to be caught up in something bigger and older than the newest fad. Part of the beauty of Anglican worship is that it's firmly rooted not only in the ancient practices of our faith, but also in the ancient people. What we do, the words we speak, have been spoken by many who come before us. I did not make them up, and neither did you. The reason this matters is because it provides a place of belonging for us that's anchored. Anchored. We belong to a body of people which spans time and space. And we're united together for the sole purpose of knowing God and giving him glory. And this is what we call the communion of saints. The communion of saints. Now, I think it's here that we need a better working definition of what a saint is. If we're going to understand what the communion of saints is, let's, let's find out what a saint is. To that end, on All Saints Day, November 1st, I was talking to my, my children around um, the, the, the table at snack time before bed. And I asked them if they knew what a saint was. And their answer was essentially this. Saints are people who are in the past who have done good things for God. That's that's pretty good. I told them that that's pretty good. That's a great place to start. There's also a bit more to it than that. And here's what I said to them in a nutshell. I said, this word saint, the English word, it comes from a Latin word, sanctus. And that word means holy. So saints are those who are holy. Saint means holy. Uh, The problem, I told them, is that the Bible teaches that that no one is holy except God. And God is so holy that we say it three times. Holy, holy, holy. We, on the other hand, have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And none of us can make ourselves holy before God. It doesn't work. However, the good news of the gospel is that through Jesus we receive salvation by the forgiveness of sins. And what does the forgiveness of sins bring It brings holiness. Holiness. In fact, the word sanctification, it comes from the same Latin word, sanctus. Sanctification means to be made holy. So saints are those who are being sanctified. Are you being sanctified? I hope so. You're a saint. So I turned to my kids and I said, did you know that that through your baptism 
and through your faith in Jesus Christ that you are a saint. And while I expected, you know, to see an eye roll, like, come on, Dad, um, what I saw on their face was genuine shock and excitement. They were so thrilled that being a saint is not just something for those better people than me back then. You mean I'm that now? And I wonder to myself, man, I wish we all had that same kind of thrill. When we say in the Apostles' Creed that we believe in the communion of saints, what we mean is that through Jesus Christ, we are in fellowship with them, with all those who have been redeemed and made a part of God's holy people. This is who we are, saints in communion with God and with one another. That's again part of the reason we gather for the communion of saints right here with all those around the throne, with the angels and the archangels. The third reason All Saints is so meaningful for us is because it helps us to understand where we're going in the future. Where we're going in the future. In Ephesians chapter 1, which is often read on on All Saints Day, but not today, St. Paul opens his letter saying this, Paul, an apostle, one who was sent out by Christ Jesus according to the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. He's not talking about dead people. Talking about living people. God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. This example uh, that Paul addresses these believers as saints is an example in the New Testament of what I'm talking about. Saints are those being sanctified by the Spirit. But what Paul says here, what he, he addresses them as saints, it sets up what he's going to say a little bit later in chapter 1, in verses 18 and 19, which is this. He says to them, I pray that you might know what is the hope to which God has called you. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? The saints that Paul is talking about is not people out there or behind us or up there, wherever heaven is. It's also right here the glorious inheritance in the saints which is coming in the future. Paul's prayer for the Ephesian believers was that they would know how great is the future that awaits them. How great it is. And this is something that we often miss. We often miss because we're so darn comfortable in our modern age. We have so many amenities. We miss this, that as followers of Jesus, we are eschatological people. Meaning, we don't just live for the present. And we don't actually pine for the past. Oh, if things could just go back to the good old days. We are a future-oriented people. We're moving towards an era in which God will make all things right again, when all things will be recreated. That's the hope. That's the hope to which God has called us. That's the glorious inheritance in the saints. That's the future. And what it means for all saints is that when we remember the saints of the past, and we should, and when we understand and have a sense of present communion with them in the present, that moreover, what happens is we grow in a greater sense of the reunion that is coming. The reunion, when we see them in the flesh, when we see Christ face to face. 
all who die in faith will be resurrected together when Christ returns. And what a communion that will be. So today, on this day, when we remember the marvelous saints of old, names that you know and names that you don't, what we also do is we remember the saints in our lives who have died and gone before us. Those we know. Our parents. Our spouses. Our children. Our friends. Our spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. Those who have died in Christ and served Him faithfully while they walked the earth. Today we are reminded that we as Christians do not grieve for the dead as those who have no hope. We have great hope. We are going to be reunited with the saints, not just the saints whose voices we've heard, but those we've only heard about in stories. Today's a day for rejoicing. Hopefully you can sense the joy this morning. Rejoicing in the people we've come from, the people that we are today, and the people that we will one day be and be with, all because and for the person of Jesus Christ. And no passage of Scripture, I think, says it better than this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And with him one day we will be. Amen. <laughs>